ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Tavis Kane, welcome back to ATV Talk. How are you, sir? Doing good, doing good. That's excellent. Thanks for Pardon? Thanks for having me back. Oh, no problem. Uh, you said in the ending of our deal that we didn't cover some things that, that you'd like to talk about, and uh, I wanted to get in depth with you a little bit more on some of the areas that I didn't think we got to cover. Um, I, I know that... Uh, uh, ATV Talk extends its condolences back to you. Uh, we didn't cover it quite well enough last time, but uh, I hope that you and the family are doing okay and that everybody is uh, uh, coming to grips because uh, we've had some issues on our side as well. Yeah, I don't, you know, uh, losing a father, that basically was my father's, my wife's dad that passed away our last conversation, you know, our interview and, uh, yeah, it was a tough time during that and um, just busy as hell on the fires and work, life, kids, and then you lose your father, you know, like that. Um, he called me son, so uh, he definitely was my dad. And uh, But yeah, we're uh, having a celebration of life this weekend for him, and um, yeah, it'll be a good time. So everybody's doing okay. That's good. That's good. I wanted to know... Uh, I don't want to get off track of what you would like to talk about, um, but I want to know, how did you ever get involved in freestyle? Uh, you know, what? Uh, yeah, I can touch on that. Uh, Dana, you know, uh, the two of us growing up uh, together and we rode together as young kids and uh, we used to play just like basketball, like game of pig, you know? like basketball game yep. big and uh, we would both honestly no joke like uh play just like basketball and uh somebody would go out he would go out or i would go out and do a trick and we had to follow up and do it or else you lose you know and <laughs> we'd kind of do the same thing um 
we grew up doing simple tricks, but it was the two of us. And, uh, you know, they know Dana as the godfather of freestyle. Um, he always just kind of had one up on me, <laughs> you know, but, uh, we both started together and I think, um, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. So that's basically how I got involved with it. It was just two of us, these young kids just kind of goofing off and we got really good at it. So let me ask you this. We, we touched on this the last time we spoke, the fear factor going into that first term. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between the fear factor going into the first term or some nutball trick that you do on your quad? I mean, what's the, what's the difference in fear level? I don't know. It just came natural. Freestyle really did. Um, it really came natural to me and I never had any fear. Uh, the jumps the first time to do them for sure. We had, I had fear. Dana was always the first one to do it. But, uh, after we got the jumps down, I just never, I just felt natural in there, you know, um, it just came natural and just, we're able to do it. Um, I'm not sure exactly what we talked about on the first turn fear. Um, but as soon as the gate dropped, that fear went away, you know, as soon as always, I was nervous as hell when the gate would, you know, before the gate would drop. And as soon as that gate drops, any pro racer will tell you that fear goes away, you know, but, um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's not the answer I expected. There's gotta be some type of, I mean, no butterflies doing those big crazy tricks. No, beforehand, same thing. But uh, I think anybody you talk to will tell you that in it. As soon as you commit and you're heading to that thing, all the fear goes away. As soon as you drop that clutch, it's like you're nervous, just like on the start. It's the same difference as going to the freestyle jump. Um, as soon as you make that commitment and you drop that clutch and you're heading to that hundred and something foot jump or whatever you're hitting, you know what you're already committed to do. For me, at least that fear was gone at that point. But as soon as you make that commitment, come around that turn and you're heading to it, the fear just went away. You know what you had to do and what you were doing and just left, you know, as soon as you do that. But before it's the same kind of fear you had in the starting line before the race, you knew what you were doing. You were nervous as shit, but um, as soon as you commit, it's all gone. Did you ever do the, uh, did you ever do a backflip? Nope. Never did. Never did. Uh, that's kind of like when me and Dana, I think Dana did it a couple times into a foam pit. Said it scared the hell out of him. <laughs> um, you know, he never did it to dirt or anything, but, uh, that's kind of when we got out of it, you know, me and Dana took it, I think, I hope to a whole nother level, you know, we were kind of, you know, the stuff we were doing back then was just amazing, you know, pretty cool. And, uh, as soon as they started doing backflips and that kind of thing, it was almost like passing the torch on, you know, like, all right, go ahead. (laughs) We're not willing to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, it was at that era that they just took off and left with it, you know? Um, but, uh, up till then, I think me and Dana were doing the top, top tricks that, ATVs could do back then, you know? Um, and that grew up in our backyard. It really did just the two of us playing together and playing pig and screwing off. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to, to be a part of that. That's crazy. <clears throat> now that you've got 
my initial question out of the way. Um, let's go back to when uh, you decided you didn't want to ride anymore. Okay. Where do you want to start again? <laughs> well, let, let, let's start with, um, we, we talked about Jeremiah and, and his accident. And then you, you never did get to finish the conversation with me about the other things that were uh, the determining factors of you walking away. Yeah. Um, you know, I, to be honest, when that happened, I, uh, you know, I touched bases on the first episode, but, uh, at that point I, I stepped out of the sport. I wanted nothing to do with it. So I would never come back. Just, you know, it was just gut wrenching, um, at that point for me, it really was, um, you know, some racers, I think, can uh, cope with that and move on. And it was just, you know, Matt Bartosik, when that whole thing happened, it was kind of, you know, me and Matt were, Matt was freaking amazing. You know, he was right there with me. And I can remember him coming up and, you know, me and him had some epic battles in the TT, um, 250A class. And, you know, just to lose him um, was gut-wrenching, you know, at that point. I think I just kind of held it in at that point as a racer because I was so young and just didn't really know how to cope with it. But I think that stuck with me, um, you know, and just we had a lot of bad injuries. I don't know where the sport's gone since I left as far as that's gone, but it just seems like it was boom, 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 you know, one after another of injuries and you know, deaths, paralyzation, and one thing after another. And then when Jeremiah's thing happened, um, it was kind of a no brainer. It was a way for me out. I think, you know, um, I didn't know how to cope with it, to be honest, you know, I just didn't, but I think Jeremiah's thing was finally like, a. uh, and when you called me, it was just, in the way you presented it to me and gave me the option, do you want to show up at the next race kind of thing? You know what I mean? Um, it kind of, you know, I guess it gave me a way out. I think I've been looking for it for a while and it was just kind of the, the way out, you know? So it's my fault because I let you off the hook. <laughs> no, I don't No, I'm not blaming anybody. It was my decision. At 100%. But uh, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I just remember asking you if you'd gotten your plane tickets, and you said uh, no. You know, and then we talked for a second, and then I told you what happened. And I mean, the the last thing you said to me is, "I'm done." Yeah. Tell Lauren I'm done. Click, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's tough to it took you 20 back. years. It took you 20 years to talk to me. It did. <laughs> it did. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, don't have the answers for that or why, but uh, I think I was just ashamed, you know, the way I left the sport. I really was about the backing I had, the support just everybody's effort going into it. And really, I think I had the talent to do what I needed to do for you guys. I just never, 
you know, it's just one of those things I was maybe disappointed in myself that I didn't meet those expectations, you know, of what I knew I had and what you guys knew I had. And, um, but that last year, year or two, just knowing my heart wasn't in it, you know, um, and being that young, just not knowing how to handle all those emotions and it was tough, you know, knowing I want out of the sport. I, you know, like I said, I think I told you back then when I said I would go into the shower and go, God, I hope I make it home in one piece. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, and just not knowing that young, how to all these people are supporting you and all this money and, and effort going into it. And how do you get out? You know, when you really want out and, uh, you know, I think that was the easy way out when that happened. You know, I should have finished the season out. I really do. Um, but I don't have to that response. I don't have any regrets. I, I do appreciate the fact my parents gave me the opportunity to, you know, to have a life after racing. You know, <laughs> that wasn't my only thing and I could make the decision. But when I look back on it, I really do regret the way I left the sport. And that's why I think I was ashamed and, and, uh, didn't hold tight to the main sponsors and communicate, you know, afterwards with everybody. Well, you know, hindsight's 2020 and you're where you are now and you've grown and learned. And that's all that that's all anybody can do. <clears throat> you know, you asked me how I was, I said, I'm fine, dude. You're still the same guy, you know? I mean, you want to go ride? Let's go. You know, I'll ranch on your stuff. I, I got no hard feelings. You know, you may just be a little slower. <laughs> I'm not. I'm still pretty quick, dude. I'm still on the bike all the time. I still have my quad. I still have a race quad, Duncan Pole Factory bike. Still, still. Well, you know. Hey, let me ask you this: You got to race two stroke and four stroke. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember if I asked you this or not. Did you prefer the two stroke or the four stroke? Um, I prefer the two stroke, to be honest. Your guys' two stroke was top notch. The Lobo chassis with the 250R motor, you couldn't beat that thing, to be honest. You know, you guys had it down to a T. Um, I kind of preferred that bike, I would have to say. The overall handling? Uh, yeah, I would the overall handling and, and, uh, not power wise, but the handling of that bike was freaking awesome. You know, I've been out of it for 10 years now. I'm sure the four strokes are beyond the 250R days of the Lobo chassis, but you know, in our era, that freaking bike was badass. <laughs> not really was. I think some of the stuff is, is really good now. I don't know if it's shock development uh has the, the shock development has come so far i mean it, it, it's incredible what the the shocks will do now um do i think that the hybrids you know i had a conversation with mike walsh about it and the hybrid suspension is better and then when you add a motorcycle engine in there um into those hybrids they're pretty phenomenally fast and they handle really well I know. And that's what I'm finding out with my son with the dirt bike um, era that we're in. It's just the suspension part of it is just unreal. 
you know, even with the dirt bikes, it's just like, oh my gosh, from when I was in it to now, it's like out of my, out of my hands, you know, um, to a certain degree with them. I mean, your motor technology, your, your tire technology, your suspension technology, it's done nothing but do, but get better. Yeah. You know, the evolution is so many smart people have just taken the ball and ran with it. It's incredible. Yeah. So who are, who's, who are you guys still running with, uh, for Duncan for, you know, tires, suspension, chassis, all that stuff. We're still roll, roll Elka. Um, Duncan doesn't really, um, ATV talk is, is GBC tires. Duncan racing would have to be probably GBC tires right now because, um, they're doing the most of the supporting um, we did a little stint with Maxis. We had STI, which used to be uh, Craig Peterson, who used to run the ITP stuff because we ran ITP a lot when you were around. Um, RPM axles are still the thing, uh, but Doug Roll builds most of your most all of your your A arms. You're using stock frames. Um, How's uh, Doug Roll doing? He's busy. Yeah, busy. You know, the wife and the little boy keep him every second of his life is that he's not working on somebody's shocks. He's, he's with them, you know, so in, and his son's three, I'm probably wrong. Could be even four. Um, uh, because time goes by so fast. Uh, I mean, the first, the last time I seen him is little bitty guy. And this time I see him, he's, twice the size he was just because you don't see anybody. I mean, we, I didn't go to the races for almost two years. I mean, last weekend I was at Glen Helen for a works race and it, it changes and evolves uh, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for you guys. Lauren always said he was done when we were done for the GNC, you know, series. Has that ever came back or are you guys still involved with that or is it? We, we left in 2000 with the, uh, with having a rig back there and having um, uh, uh, the support of the team. We still have product all over the planet. Um, in 2001, we went to a works race. Um, and then we started doing those on the West coast. Um, and we did those until 19. Um, I mean, we went to almost every one up until 19 and then, um, yeah, right now we have nothing that we control, um, where we're the main, we haven't been the main sponsor since, um, like own the bike since, um, Gosh, 2007. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was nothing like showing up at your guys' shop, though. And I remember every preseason showing up there and all the race bikes would be, you know, laid out. We'd be building them, testing them, doing everything. And Lauren would always say that box, man, that you're in, I, you said you still have that thing, was his Mercedes, <laughs> you know? Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, those were pretty cool days showing up there and being a part of that, man. Um, from a little kid, just dreaming of that. And 
it was a real deal, dude, showing up and having two bikes that we'd build, you know, your practice bike, race bike, and getting everything ready for the nationals. And um, yeah, those were some pretty damn cool days. <laughs> I remember, I remember the, uh, the one year we, we rented that suite um, in the complex, that, that one unit. And the only thing that was in that unit was every guy that showed up had a pile of things that he got to take home, you know, for the year, helmets and boots and riding gear and, you know, just the extra parts for all the bikes. And I mean, some of that stuff mounded up so large that I was just like, where are we going to put all this? Yeah, I know. And it what really was looking back, like for, you know, the quad industry, I really did have, I had it made, dude. I had a full, you know, Duncan ride pretty much show up. I remember staying at Lauren's house and the fun mover we had a couple nights and, you know, you'd go out with us testing all the time before preseason and building the bikes, working on them every day and just, you know, going around and talking to all the sponsors and everything. It was, it was it was a real ride, man. <laughs> it was, you know, I made it finally there. And, um, you know, and that's, it's just when I walked away from the sport, that that's what hurt the most is I think the older you get, you just know, I have a lot of regrets just how I left, you know, just to hang it up and say, I'm done, you know? Um, and that, that was just my way out when that happened, but I just, I wish I would have finished the season out with all the effort everybody giving me, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Can't look back on it, you know, too much, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it happens. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, those were some, those were some pretty cool times, you know, I mean, the, the, the shop just would be totally unraveled because all we'd be doing is building new race bikes. Yep. You know, and you guys had that bitching track next door to you at the airport too. And that was going on. I remember that. I don't know if that's not around anymore. Is it? No. Well, we moved, we moved in, in, uh, and no, you, they don't have a track there anymore. Um, they tore the car, the, the car track down and the, they were going to use and develop that piece of land. And it's, still just a dirt piece of land why they took the race car track and why they took the motocross track out of there i'll never get it because they lost revenue on land it's a typical government got their head up their ass yeah yeah i can remember flying in you know january before the season february and you know you guys would have the bikes ready and we'd head on over to the you know airport there and tested them out a few times and yeah, it was a it was a big ride when I look back at it, you know, for where, you know, the sport was at and what I had. And, you know, it wasn't a factory support deal, but really for where you guys, well, it was. But <laughs> but I mean, you know, for what I had, it was just exceptional. I made it, you know, my goal. I actually made it on the team. And um, did I get a championship in the pro class? No, but <laughs> um you know, I got you guys a 250A championship and the pro am, and you know, remember the good. Remember the San Diego Pace race 
before we leave, we're running the bikes on the parking lot. I'm, I'm, I was testing them all in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Like you and Benny Jackson and Doug Eichner were all there. Yeah. I can still beat all you guys in the parking lot. Where, where, oh, for sure. Where do you uh, test them now? And in front of the new shop. It's not, it's not quite as cool, but the driveway drops off. So right as your your breaking point should be after the start of the drop if it was flat, but because it drops off, you have to start your breaking point and it veers the, the concrete sloped away from the turn. So the bike always wants to, to drift into the, into the rain gutter, the cutaway. So you have to be in the center, pitch it to the left and then let it drift to the right really quick to make the driveway turn. It gets a little crazy at times. Yeah. You know, could could get a bit scary if you're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you put some footage up of you in the parking lot. I don't know if you have or not from the old place. Somebody's got to have it. Uh, we never took video of, of any of the Lauren was super anti. Um, oh, yeah. I took a video of, uh, a 250R that we were testing for a customer and it's up there, but you know, they never got footage of me riding the super fast Banshees or um, the big bore four strokes that, that I've ridden in the parking lot. You know, I wish uh, people could see where you were testing those things and how you were riding them in front of the shop. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, dude. <laughs> Nobody would do that, but you <laughs> No, you know, yeah, nobody would. I came out of the driveway turn one year on Thanksgiving. I was on an LT500 and the, the outside tire caught. So it kind of straightened me up in the turn and I'm on one wheel and I'm sliding sideways, you know, to, to miss the line of bikes. Cause you remember all the bikes were there on the parking lot and the customer standing there and I'm looking at him as I'm going by sideways, you know, I'm looking at the customer and his eyes are the size of freaking cantaloupes because he just can't believe I'm riding his bike like that, you know? And uh, we pull up and I go, yeah, I don't want you to break it in like this. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> hey, what was your, what was your guys' thought when I was, I always wondered that because back then when I was doing, you know, before the last two years, I kind of gave freestyle up. Like we said, we passed it on you know, next generation. But, uh, before that, what was your guys's take on when I was doing the freestyle shows and traveling around with West and doing everything and still trying to compete, you know, in motocross, what was your take on, on, on trying to do both those? You weren't, you were counterproductive to your racing career. And all we cared about was the racing portion. Yeah. You know, I mean, the freestyle stuff didn't really, um, to, even today, it doesn't do anything um, for us as far as other than it's a, a eye-catching video or, a, you know, it gets clicks on social media. Um, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. Um, I think you, the, the, you guys that do that stuff are crazy. Um, but I don't like to jump. So, and I'm also old school, so I'm not even, I'm, it's not even a fair judge of, 
of how to answer the question. Um, because it was all about the racing. It was all about winning championships. Um, it wasn't about doing the coolest trick. Um, you know, if you, if you had to break it down now and I was to, um, explain it to you as a racer, I would, um, give you your pros and your cons and say, this is what you're trying to achieve but you're letting this distract you from training, from focus on the advancement of the, and the advancement things you need to do to train, to uh, set your bike up better for racing. Um, yeah, you're having a good time, but having a good time isn't, isn't, uh, isn't putting number one on your bike. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to react to that. How you answered that. And now no one going through it. I think, uh, you know, that definitely wasn't a distraction, but like you said, you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Uh, wasn't a distract. Well, it was a distraction, but just going through it. Um, it definitely was, uh, you're just having a good time. You know, you're a part of that. It's a whole different thing than racing, you know, um, or racing, you're serious, you're doing everything and, uh, training and, strict and 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 then all of a sudden you're doing freestyle during that and you're part of relaxed atmosphere partying having a good time and traveling the world and um it definitely is a distraction like you said from from racing you know it definitely pulls you in a different direction i would say <laughs> for sure well and and when you if you want to break racing down you know there's one number that matters and that's the one, mm -hmm. you know, because if you start, if you start cutting it up and who's, who was two, who was three. Yeah. Nobody remembers that. Yeah. Well, why are we talking about that? Yeah. Because when you start adding up the ones, they're just, that's the number you, you walk away. You know, there's guys that had amazingly successful careers that never got the one, but you know, it's it's like being Dan Marino, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL of all time, but he never got the ring. Yep. You know, I mean, it hurts. Well, that's, it, that's, it hurts. In, you know? my, in my career, that's in the pro career. That's what I kind of look at. You know, I worked so goddamn hard to get to where I was at and um had an epic amateur year and came in hot on a few seasons early, you know, getting podiums and then uh, tapered out, but I never got that number one finish. I never did. Ended on the podium a few times, but I never got that number one spot. And I think people and fans that, you know, knew me or knew Duncan and knew where I was at, knew I was capable of it, but I never reached it, you know, uh, never got that number one finish whether it be a championship or a number one, never got it. And, and, you know, there's contributing factors too. You were also in one of the most loaded group of racers ever. We were definitely. That's the way I look at it. I mean, looking back on it, it really was, we were stacked, <laughs> stacked with talent man. it really was. Um, yeah. 10 or 12 guys on the line that could win the race. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
you look at modern day supercross, you know, there's three guys, maybe four guys that are going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, you can almost, you're almost picking the top five every race. Yeah. And, and back in the era of, you know, the late eighties, early nineties or mid nineties, even into the early two thousands, you couldn't pick the top eight because it changed or it could change at any given moment. It really did. I mean, you look back at the results, maybe the top three wasn't too much, you know, maybe a little bit, but yeah, the top 10 was just, it was a rotate rotating cycle, you know, back then it really was um, just epic talent. It was really good racing back then. It really was. Uh, I think I think it was cool. I believe that the sport, it was done for the love of the ATV industry at that point. I really do. Yeah. I don't, uh, I, 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 they weren't looking for the big paycheck because there was no big paycheck. No, there wasn't. Not at all. You know, I mean, it, it's hurtful to, it, maybe it's not hurtful to say, but it is what it is. You know, when you, when you load up your truck, and you go to the races in a pickup truck and you're uh, a, a top six, top five pro and you're showing up in a pickup truck to race for, you know, enough gas money to get home. Mm-hmm. That's for the love of it right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and there was a lot of guys that did that, you know, yeah. I mean, a few of those guys made a bunch of money at the end, but, um, they, they, they loved it and they just were doing it because they loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we miss that in the industry now, um, you know, with YouTube and social media and, and some of the other things that go on, uh, some of the guys are into it for a paycheck. Like still right now, when my son, we still get on and watch, you know, Chad and Hetrick and everybody else doing it out on tv a little bit but i'm not seeing the gates fully loaded is that the case right now um actually they're on an upswing right now the gates are getting fuller and and i think that from third place down in the gnc the motocross um it's a crapshoot on who's going to get third there's six to eight guys that on any given day can be there you know we were watching that this year on tv and we were watching some up-and-comers coming closer to chad and hetrick and all them so it was kind of cool to see you know some of the younger guys coming up seemed like um yeah and and you know you got to figure chad's 38 mm-hmm. you know i don't know how old joel is but he's still in his he's really 20. 38 years old jesus yeah. damn that's impressive Bo Barron's working on his 10th title and he's 40. Doug Eichner retired, retired from racing when he was 47. You're making me feel bad now. I mean, yeah, but it's just the desire of what you want to do and where you want to do it. I mean, Doug didn't start winning, being really dominant fast on the West coast and in the desert until he was in his late thirties, you know, early forties. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's when he really, really got dominant. And that's your career supposed to be ending or over at that point. Exactly. 
You know, I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, we're not really talking about some of the things that we should be talking about, you know, uh, with, with your career and, and, uh, you, you've talked about other things. There were other, uh, outside forces. I know that at the same time you were, you were trying to start a family and a business. And so there was some stresses on that side as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that was a thing. I think anybody, you know, most of the, uh, racers that done ATV racing, um, you know, maybe the top five guys, what I see, you know, were able to maybe do that for a living, but I still, I never was ever, you know, I was working from day one. Um, even through my whole career, I would still work every day, just like Ben Jackson was when we were teammates and, um, you know, I'd go to work every day, never quit. And then we'd go to the races. Um, so I really didn't have, you know, ATV racing was not my full-time gig, even, even when I was in it, uh, I was still working. Um, so yeah, that was, you know, I saw that progressing and, and I was trying to grow the business and then, yeah, just got married, got kids and all that when I went down. So when you watch your son on the starting line, how much of it comes flowing back? Dude, it's insane. <laughs> so much. You'll see, uh, I'm down on my knees, you know, watching him on the starting line right behind him. Um, all of it comes back. You know, uh, that starting line is the main thing for me. I just get the adrenaline again. And uh, we did a race last weekend at Hangtown. Um, which was cool because they just had the last dirt bike outdoor there and it was two weeks later. So the track was freaking epic. And uh he did phenomenal. We got him a new race bike and um he's doing well. Yeah, he got like sixth in one moto and fifth in the other. So um, please tell me you didn't buy a KTM. We did. Yeah, we got a KTM. Why were you hoping? There's only one brand. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Dude, you got to buy a Honda. What Honda? I don't see one Honda out there on the 85 class. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, uh, yeah, he's doing good, but it definitely comes back. And, uh, dude, it just, yeah, I mean, watching him go around the track and watching the progression. And I, I feel phenomenal being a part of the community again. It's all, you know, it's, it's making me happy again in life. It really is. I've been missing it. You know, it made me realize what I was missing for that many years. And now to be back a part of the community and showing up at the races and, and meeting all the families again and building the relationships, the sponsors he's already getting. And uh, it, it's, it's epic to watch again. Um, and I said, I would never be in it. <laughs> you know, well, you're really not. Now you're in the two, the two wheel industry. So it's a little different. You it know? is, it is, it's, uh, quite a bit larger, <laughs> harder to make a name for yourself, but, um, you know, it's, it's the same community. It just is the same people, same families. Everybody's helps each other. Um, yeah, it's it's good to be back. That's crazy. We're gonna pause here for one second. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. 
And we're back. Um, so you're getting all the vibes back. You're getting all the, the juices are flowing again. Um, have you, have you thought about getting back on a race quad and going out there and seeing what you can do? Dude, I have, uh, it's been, I haven't raced this year, but I went out with my son a year ago, a local track. They fired up here locally, um, in Eureka at the fairgrounds. And, uh, I did three races out of the series and, uh, dude, I felt, it felt natural. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I got on the bike and I haven't been on in years and, uh, dude, I was, I felt like I was hauling ass. I did well, jumped what, everything. Um, what, what, what quad did you ride? Uh, the Honda 450. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, Lobo, everything I, I put together at the end of the season, I still had, uh, you know, all the parts and kind of put a bike together. I still have it. Um, we go up to Coos Bay and ride up there in the dunes, you know, once a year, twice a year. Uh, we'll take the quad up and rip around. Uh, still can do all the big jumps, big leaps, still do all that, big wheelies. No, I still got it, dude. I still do. Just give me a lap or two and that's it. But I can still all ass. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can do it. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd, I would be just fine for a lap or two. I, I feel good. I feel good <laughs> on the quad. I never, dude, it doesn't leave. It's crazy. You hop on it and like my dirt bike, I get on it. I'm a piece of crap, dude. Like I'm, I'm, I ride the 40 plus novice and I'm getting smoked, dude. I'm like back in the very back when I'm racing the thing but I have so much fun because I suck on it, you know? And, uh, to be honest, the quad, like even at the dunes, I get kind of bored pretty quick on the track. I don't still, I loved it. I had fun racing the quad. I really did getting back on it. I was just smiling, doing the jumps, some of the doubles I was nervous doing and I cleared them and freaking loving it, you know? Um, but the bike, I'm just, I learn every time I go out because I'm just garbage on the thing, you know? <laughs> Um, but it's something, it's a challenge, something, um, but no, I still got it on the quad, dude. I think that's awesome. You know, well, yeah. let's call your buddy Dana out and yeah. tell him that if you can get a zoom meeting with me and do it, that he can, because he messaged me back that he wouldn't do a zoom. When did he do that? Uh, right after our first time. Uh. I just spoke with him. I just donated six portable toilets to his racetrack and uh, Finger Lake. He just got a motocross track he's working on in Red Bluff, California. Yep. And uh, he just got it opened up. He just worked on a kid's track, got it going. How, how far away from you is that? That's about three hours. So it's pretty close, but uh, exciting because that honestly – where I live, uh, for us to go to a legit track to ride on is five hours. Sacramento is the closest place for us. So we have a private track at our house, but for us to go to a motocross track is five hours away. It's crazy. So Dan is opening up a place there. It's on Instagram and a bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, it should, should be good, but I'll, I'll talk to him. I would love to chat with him online. That'd be cool. <laughs> Well, if you can get it up, we'll, if you can get him, we'll set it up and do 
uh, you know, the, the, the three-way chat with him and, uh, and talk about freestyle and some of the other stuff, some of the crazy things that you guys did together, you know? Yeah, it would be cool. There'll be some good stories, all the traveling. Do we traveled so much together from growing up and two different lifestyles we had racing, you know? Um, and, and when I went to freestyle, we were together all the time, but racing, we were apart and growing up, it would be, uh, It'd be good uh, interview. Yeah, it'd be good. Was there much uh, on track adversity between you two guys when you wrote oh, yeah. different protein? One hundred percent, I would say. You know, um, on my end, yeah, for sure, dude. Grew up from same town, and we end up at the nationals. To you know, um, yeah, dude. There was some rivalry. I, uh, um, yeah, for sure. You know. <laughs> always wanted to be each other we never really uh you know two different teams we never really uh talked a lot at the races you know um yeah there was some definite we never had any on track problems but yeah there was some rivalry but you guys have been you guys have made friends over the years yeah, definitely. We lost touch. I think I lost touch with everybody after racing. <laughs> when I quit, I really did. Um, Chad Lore, just everybody. I kind of didn't talk too much. Um, and recently, yeah, I've been talking to Dana quite a bit over the last two, three years. So we kind of regrouped riding together and hanging and helping each other out. And, uh, He's got a lot going on with the dirt bike industry too. He's doing quite a bit with the dirt bikes. So, yeah. Um, wish you guys would get into the quad deal a little better, but I can understand, you know, we've, we've you all know what I think it is. Why the, I think, you know, I can't speak for Dana. I haven't asked him that, but I, I the more I talk to him too, he's loving it too. Um, and maybe it's where we live. But there is nothing up here in Northern California for quads. You can't even touch a track anywhere. I don't know if you know anywhere in Northern California that you can ride yeah. it. Yeah, nothing. You so, struggle down here in Southern California. Yeah, so that's the problem. Like, there is absolutely nowhere to ride a quad in Northern. From as far as I know, I'm sure it goes further than Sacramento. But, dude, you can't touch anything. No tracks, nothing with a quad. So with the dirt bike there was just a lot more opportunity and i think it's something fresh and new you know dan is pretty damn good on a dirt bike but uh he's still not like he was on the quad and every time we go out it's just a new challenge because we're not the best at it and we grew up doing quads forever and still have a passion for him he still has a quad and i know that and i still do we ride him occasionally and um yeah but it's something different you know new challenge and there's just freaking nowhere to ride, dude. Yeah, just, <laughs> wreck him, just wreck him next time for me. You're on a quad with him, okay? I will. You know, <laughs> Jeremy Jeremy Shell's famous line: "If I can't beat you, I'm gonna wreck you." Where Where is Jeremy Shell? I had some run-ins with him on the track a few times. Uh, you know what? I I think he's in Arkansas. Okay. I probably got that wrong. Sorry, sorry, Jeremy. Um, he told me, and uh, or it's Missouri. I don't remember. He's back there farming, you know, killing it, doing good. He was a wild guy, dude. He was wild on the track. I, I had a few run-ins with him, man, down there in SoCal. Who didn't? I know. <laughs> good point. <laughs> good 
I mean, realistically, I think he ran into I think he ran into everybody and then ran in if he didn't run into them on the track, he ran into their truck in the parking lot, you know? Yeah, good point. Yeah. That's true. That's Jeremy right there for you. Yeah, and telling you all about it the whole time he's doing it too. Oh yeah. Yeah. He didn't I, care. I just I would have liked to have him mic'd up when he was racing because I bet you he was talking just as much shit during the race as he did afterwards and before. Oh, I guarantee it, man. I guarantee it. Oh, he was balls to the wall, dude. He was. He would. He would lay her all out there every time on the track. Well, yeah, he gave it. Gave it everything he had. Uh, you never had to worry about that. No, he, he'd ride them. We had him riding some Kawasaki's there for a while, and he would destroy them we'd bring them back in the shop we totally refurbish them fix them fix the frames new fenders new parts straighten them all you know make them good again and he wouldn't ride them for five minutes and they would be destroyed yeah that's what i remember about them too dude balls to the wall let's put it to you this way doug eichner raced a kfx 400 all year in works that and a 700 the same quad didn't break the frame didn't damage it didn't have any failures didn't rip the seat cover doug transferred to the honda that mean jeremy got to take that 450 that 400 of, of doug's and ride it he didn't ride that thing. I don't think he made it a moto before he broke the frame and shoved the frame, the, the radiator into the oil tank and done. One ride. Speaking just- of bikes, there was one bike I wanted to talk about, and that was the cheer bike I was able to ride in the uh, 250A TT race. Cheater bike. I won yeah, it was Travis Spader's old TT bike that, that I was wasn't able a to. Cheater bike. <laughs> for the two, no, it wasn't a cheater bike, but I say that because that thing was freaking amazing. And I won every, I didn't lose one race every, and that was just confidence. And that's what it goes to show. I never lost one race in the TT flat track 250A the season I won the 250A title. Not one race I lost on that bike and it was hands down confident. Like I just knew the bike when I hopped on it, just the confidence I had feeling it and everything. That bike was badass, dude. <laughs> that was and, one badass bike. And, and that wasn't even the, the, they didn't even finish all the technology on, on running the light lightning things up and making oh, sure. it even better. You know, I was talking oh, to sure. Shane hit on one of the shows and he had 11 pairs of different shocks for his TT. Yeah. Hey, I, I was able to run with Shane. I don't think I ever beat Shane, but, uh, I, I could run with him on that bike, dude. But yeah, but <laughs> Travis, Travis, I think, but Travis that bike was, yeah, it was a beautiful bike until it melted in fire. I know. Yeah. It was a shame. Yeah. I was fortunate enough after he won his title, they, uh, I remember Lauren and you and roll were, uh, I think 
the TT, you guys didn't have anybody riding that next year, I think, or did you build a new bike? I can't remember for the pro class. And it was just me and the A. I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember if there was anybody in the pro class or not. I think it was just you. But I, anyways, I ended up with his bike after he won the championship. And that's what I got to ride the next year. And that's why I call it the cheater bike. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't a cheater bike. It was just a badass bike. Dude. And uh, yeah, blew the doors off everybody in the flat track DT. So you won all five of them that year? All five of them. Never lost one. And I can remember racing Matt Bartosik was my uh, closest guy to beat me. And I remember it was Astrobula and me and him going down the straightaway and just banging back and back and back. And I ended up pulling off and beating him. But uh, yeah, that bike was bad, dude. That was one badass bike. That's that, that's a good memory. There's one of those. There's one of those chassis left. Nobody yeah. knows where it is. Really? Yep. And Doug didn't number them, so it would probably take Doug Roll to examine it to tell you what it is. Huh. Yeah. I can just remember Roll and Lauren both saying, whatever you do, just don't wreck it. <laughs> do not get in a wreck. <laughs> and uh, I never did. But uh, that thing yeah, you'd have cartwheeled that thing down the straightaway, it would have been over. Yeah. Honestly, I love TTs, man. I, I wish I had a blast in those. I was really good at them, and it was just a team effort. It really was. I loved having uh, that mix in there. I was huge motocross. I actually wanted TT to go away, but looking back at it, that was more of a team effort. You come back in, and you know, you're weighing the bikes, and it took everybody's opinion, and it was just a good time. I really enjoyed those TT days. I really did. That was fun. I, I like the uh, concept of how to set up the, the bike to make it turn better. Yep. Everything. It was just, it, it was constant tweaking, you know, it really was. And then once you started learning and getting a system down with the team, that's what I mean about a team. It was just like, it was a group effort, but you'd get a system down with the three or four guys you were working with and they knew, and you knew of how to make it work and what you needed to do with the temperatures and just everything. It was, it was a cool, cool thing. It was fun. That's, that's what makes it. I think that's probably what has kept me in the industry so long is the ability to go to the races and, and be able to, look at the situation and set the bike and just push it out there and go, go ride it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they come back and they go, you know, and, and you're, you're in the 90 percentile right off the bat, you know, rolling it out of the truck. Cause you know where you're at, you know, what you're up against, you know, where you want the bike to work or how do you want it to work? And you have to read your riders a little bit. Um, I was also very spoiled on the West coast working with Doug Eichner. You know, I could have put struts on the bike and put flat tires on it. And he'd have came back and said, oh, dude, it's great. Run it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been Doug. It. You know, but, yeah. you know, in all, in all fairness to Doug, he had an idea of what he liked. But if we didn't hit the nail on the head, he would adapt to whatever he was on when the green flag dropped. Yeah. You know? And uh, I was very fortunate, but he also let me run with setup a lot, you know, and I would try all kinds of stuff with him. And, um, Lauren, yeah, tells us, 
Huh? You guys had a hell of a run. Said so you and Eichner had a hell of a run together. Years, you know, running together. That was. Um, yeah, I worked on his stuff for 13 and a half years. And um, yeah. we won. I mean, at one point in time when we raced together, granted, it wasn't the motocross nationals, but we won 85% of the races we went to. Uh, in a, in a given period, it was a two or three year period. And, and to do that, that's pretty phenomenal. I don't care. I mean, you got, I don't care how big the race is. If you're winning or if you're racing, whether there's five guys or 500 guys uh, to win, you still have to finish. You still have to build the bikes. You still have to do the things that it takes to do, you know, what you're doing. And, uh, you know what I'm upset about is I never got to race Eichner on a just motocross track. Never got the chance to. It was always like indoors works. I never got the chance to line up against him on a motocross track. Never got to. Oh, it just wasn't it wasn't in the cards, you know. It just wasn't in the cards. No, he was already. Yo, know, it wasn't, and he was already kind of done with not done with motocross but you know the nationals and that, everything else at that point when i came in but uh would have loved to line up next to that guy on a motocross just to say i could beat him one time maybe <laughs> well you beat him at a works race so, i mean yeah 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 but um still. you know but d d i don't think motocross was doug's forte no i would i would say that too and yeah. you know he said he wasn't a very good tt rider but he had some podium finishes he had some good good finishes in the tt but still i could have said i beat him you know that was that was what i was disappointed about so whatever you know <laughs> well you, what you need to do is talk doug into coming to a race and you and him go out and race against each other i'll, I'll show up for a works race i'll do it again i'm ready but you not in the, how old are you 40 so you guys have to run the 40 plus yeah I'd do it. You know? Tell him I'm calling him out right now. Mm -hmm. I'll tell him, but you know what he's gonna you know what his answer is gonna be. Because <laughs> yeah, he's gonna true. think he's gonna think revenge. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. He gets revenge for you beating him in the long, other works race. As long as you work on both our bikes, you know. Nope. Uh, he rides a KTM. I don't work on KTMs. Okay. I'll work on a Honda, but I'm not going to work on a KTM. Yeah. I'd show up for a works race again. I would love to do one of those again. They're, they're a lot of fun. Um, yeah. The closest, Glenn Helen is the closest one to you. Yeah. Uh, we're actually thinking about coming down for the day in the dirt. It's coming up here after Thanksgiving at Glenn Helen. You ever heard of that? Is it a motorcycle deal? The motorcycle deal, but they, it's a huge, huge race, but they have like a father son race. You know, they do, uh, it's kind of like, a you do a lap and you pass the wristband off to your son and then he does a lap, passes on to your dad. You're going to, are you going to ride the quad so that you guys have a chance to win? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, I told them if we come down there, we definitely have to try to hit you up. Say hi to everybody. So you know, you know, Denton got in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. No, I didn't. Gary Denton got in the Hall of Fame. And um 
I had the information here. Hold on. Didn't uh, there's a party for the Hall of Fame on Saturday? I probably shouldn't say this on air, but um, there's a deal uh, for that. I think it's at Glen Helen. What weekend are you talking about? It's Day in the Dirt. I'll bet it's that weekend because that's a huge race, dude. It's the 13th? Well For the 12th, 11th? It's, like, it's right after Thanksgiving. Oh, it's after Thanksgiving. This is before. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. But no, dude, I'd love to show up on a quad again down there. I would. I'd do it. My son would love to watch it. Well. Hold on. Somebody to work on. You know, I don't think you can afford me. Uh, I couldn't afford you before. You still showed up. (laughs) So what are you trying to say? I don't know. That I'm not the uh, smartest. You, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Yeah. I don't know if. Um, I don't know. I know that the last round in Prim, Nevada, is um, the 19th through the 21st. Um, but I don't know if the motorcycles are going to be there at the same time. You're talking this November? Yep. Or October? November. This November. The weekend before Thanksgiving. Okay. But I don't, I don't know if, uh, if the motorcycles are going to be there at the same time, I'd have to look at the schedule, you know? Right. Well, so I see if Eichner wants to show up and I'll be there. Uh, well, uh, I'll talk to him and, and I'll start the rivalry between you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And tell him the, the, how slow you think he is. Exactly. That's what I would do. Start there. See if that yeah. gets his feathers ruffled. You really want to make him mad? <laughs> I kind of do. I think it'd be fun. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, you don't hold on to the chainsaw on the blade side, right? You know that, right? No, I never heard that one before. Well, that's what you're trying to do is. (laughs) Hey, we'll see. You're holding on to the teeth when you're pulling the starter. I don't know, dude. I've been on that treadmill. I've been riding. I'm, I'm fit, ready to go. So we'll see. You know, Doug does the same training regimen he did back then. He has his soda, he eats some ribs, and goes out and rides. <laughs> Just shows up, hops on and rides, yeah. When we were in uh, Mount Morris one year, the year he won it, we're all at the, you know, we're all at the same restaurant. And you see all the other pros eating their, drinking water and eating pasta, and, you know, they're being conservative. Doug's got a Pepsi, a kamikaze, and eating ribs. And... All the other guys are shaking their head, you know. It that's just that was just Doug. Yeah, you know, awesome stuff. Tavis Kane, thank you for coming on ATV Talk. Um, I hope we clarified for everybody um what went on in the at the end of your career and um 
why th- things happened that did. Um, we miss you and uh, don't hesitate to come in and see us. Make sure you tell the family I said hello. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.